So, Berto, I want to talk with you about a situation that I went through not too long ago. I've been dying to talk with you about this. I actually had a major, somewhat comical medical problem while I was at Mardi Gras in New Orleans. I fainted from anxiety, or I almost fainted from anxiety, but it's also this whole epic story of an allergic reaction, of the parades, police officers are involved, ambulances. There's just, it's just a whole epic story. And I want to, I want to tell that story in this episode. I also want to talk about the vasovagal syncope response, which is fainting from anxiety or fainting from other. But this episode is so personal. I mean, I mean, I mean he's been saying so many personal things in this episode that I'm just going to make this a patron-only episode because okay. <laughs> the difference between, you know, a couple <laughs> thousand people hearing this and a couple million people hearing this, it, yeah. it, it just kind of makes it feel a little bit better to me. So... In this episode, it's just for patrons of the episode, so if you're not a patron, this episode's going to end before the full hour, two-hour episode begins. If you're not a patron and you want to hear this episode and all the other patron-only episodes, you have to go to patreon.com and become a patron of our podcast, and you can hear this episode and, and hundreds of other premium episodes. In this episode, I'm going to talk about vasovagal uh, syncope. I'm going to talk about fainting from anxiety. I'm going to talk about blood anxiety, if you will and uh, many, many other topics. So let's get to it. What do you say, Berto? Let's do it. All right, everyone, welcome to the Patron Zone. So I'm going to tell the story as fast as I can. And Berto, please interrupt as we go, because this is kind of a long story, okay? Sounds good. So... I, well, I'm in New Orleans. So first off, I've always wanted to go to Mardi Gras in New Orleans, right? And me and Stacy, my wife, planned it all out a long time in advance. I, I had uh, a f- I have a friend who goes to Mardi Gras every year because his wife grew up in New Orleans, like in the Garden District, and oh, wow. you know they're really into the whole. They're in the parade. They you know they they actually get to be in the parade because they're part of that whole system. And there's several parades, but anyway, and I, I there's it's Mardi Gras just always seemed like one of those experiences that you just have to have in your lifetime. You know, you just right. have to, like it's one of your bucket list items. Exactly, yeah. And so I plan out the trip, and I actually had a lot of travel planned this year, and the virus. Oh, what hit. happened? <laughs> yeah, the virus hits, and the virus is definitely around and there's been some cases in the United States but it's still pretty small right and this was february like mid february or early february early march i don't know yeah maybe late february anyway it was definitely the the coronavirus was happening but not to the point where me and my my wife felt afraid to travel it it would yeah. have been maybe a couple weeks later when that happened i think it it all happened very fast i think like a week later i went to tahoe to go skiing and that's when it was really kind of scary to be in the airport for me and yeah. since getting back from Tahoe I don't think I've I've done anything you know <laughs> to risk anything since then yeah. and I think Mardi Gras was maybe a week and a half before going to Tahoe anyway 
But the virus is still around. You dodged a bullet in Mardi Gras, too. Right, because the cases totally spiked after Mardi Gras. Yeah. And at first I thought, well, was Mardi Gras really part of it, or was it just that it just happened to get to New Orleans after Mardi Gras? No, I looked up all the details. Mardi Gras definitely played a role. And it doesn't surprise me. I mean, there's so many people packed into the same small spaces. And so, so... We go to Mardi Gras, and I am really enjoying myself. I'm with a bunch of my friends, you know, Chris Huber and Chris Glover and a couple other friends that that you don't know from my childhood. And we're having all this great time. There's all these parades. And New Orleans is just this, you know, fascinating old city, the music. Old vampires, too, I hear. Yeah, that kind of thing. And whenever I travel, I like to try – local food. I want to try weird food. I, I pride myself on eating whatever the locals eat. I want, yeah. the, I want the strangest thing the locals eat. And in New Orleans, a big thing is to have po'boy sandwiches and specifically crawfish po'boy po sandwiches. I love them. Now, crawfish isn't that weird, right? It's just sort of like small lobsters. But, yeah. but you know, it's hard to get those in Seattle. And so I go on Bourbon Street I walk into this very local-looking uh, sandwich shop. I think it was called Voodoo, or I, I don't know. It was, no, no, no. I, I'm looking at my notes that I took. So I go in. So first off, we go into. Me and Stacy are wandering around. We go into this Voodoo shop. Oh, a real Voodoo shop. Yeah, a real Voodoo shop, and it's. <laughs> well, yeah, as opposed to a fake Voodoo shop. I yeah, <laughs> and it is. It's it's called like a Voodoo museum or something, but it is just two small little rooms and everything seems it looks like your grandma's hoarding closets you know <laughs> like it didn't look interesting but there's all these little offerings that people will make they'll they'll just take like a uh, penny or a quarter or a one dollar bill and you put it on all these you know little janky statues and Whoa. And while I was in there, like, I didn't do it because I'm just like, I, you know, it's silly. It's just voodoo, right? Okay. Yeah. So keep that in mind. And then okay. I go to a... <laughs> oh, by the way, when you said the name, you said, um, it's called like a voodoo museum. But I thought the name was like a voodoo. Like it was like, like a, a voodoo. voodoo. <laughs> um, so go to Bourbon. So this is just off Bourbon Street. Go to Bourbon Street. Go into this very local looking uh, sandwich shop and... They have, you would love it here because they have like all these signs saying, this sauce is so hot. You you have to be very sure that you're okay Mm. with eating hot things. And I'm I'm pretty good with hot things. And so I I ordered a a po' boy sandwich, crawfish, and it was the hot kind. By the way, we're sitting down and naked people are walking around because it's Mardi Gras. (laughs) And it's a, it, it was a pretty interesting uh restaurant because i wanted to go to the bathroom and so the the men's bathroom is this tiny little closet and there's no sink it's just that trough style of urinal Mm. you know it just looks like a like a sort of trough that a a group of cows would drink out (laughs) of essentially you've 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 seen those kinds of urinals And the wall was so thin and so badly made that people outside the bathroom could see in because there were cracks in the slats. You know what I mean? Just a very janky place. So it's a public urinal. 
Yeah. But, you know, I'm like, uh, you know, I'm in, when in Rome, I'm in New Orleans, right. they're, they're, they're very down to earth here. I'm not going to be a, you know, coastal elite at this point. I, I'm going to. In fact, in Rome, they had open public yeah. urinals. So. So I eat the sandwich and it's so grubbing that even though I'm just getting so full, mm. I eat the whole thing Oof. and, and I loved it. And then even when I was done with that, I, I ordered fries with gravy and pot roast on the top and oh, i ate that too wait, pot what, what yeah it was pot roast and gravy and fries <laughs> oh my god sounds like putin putin yeah putin <laughs> sounds like putin not putin <laughs> like, wait, sounds like the russian leader shirtless putin. on a <laughs> so so it's afternoon and it's time for my nap so we go back to the hotel and me and stacy you know take a nap full on get into bed lights yeah. off you know block out curtains the whole thing and about, I don't know, an hour and a half later or something, wake up and I'm kind of just kind of, you know, realizing I'm waking up and looking at my phone or something and I'm scratching my neck and I'm mm. like, and I'm like, oh man, you know, my neck's kind of scratchy. And that happens sometimes. Like every once in a while, right. I'll get, um, I'll get what, what late, what later I realized were actually small hives, but they were mm. so small. It didn't really concern me. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. You know, I get up. And I go to the bathroom and I flip on the light and I look at my face and I'm really red. You know, my face oh, wow. is, is very red and I have large, what I now know to be hives on my oh. neck. But this has happened to me before. I mean, one, Asians get Asian red face for various different reasons if you drink uh-huh. alcohol or something. And so it's not that unusual for me to, you know, to get... Asian red face for one reason. I remember my, uh, my friend Dave, you know, Davium. <laughs> yeah. I remember in college, he'd be like, oh, I can't, I can't drink alcohol. And I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, no, no, it doesn't. But I just didn't believe him. And I remember one time he had like a beer or something. And sure enough, he was like a tomato. Yeah. Because Asians lack an enzyme. Now I'm half Asian. So I, I have just like half the enzyme or something anyway. So I didn't really think that much of it at first because, you know, that's happened before. And I, and I turn and I, I look I, at first, I think, wait, do we have bed bugs? That was the first thing I thought was right. where there, it looked like I had been bitten by a mm. lot of bugs. And so I, I show Stacy and she looks at me, she's like, whoa, like <laughs> you are, what is going on? But like I said, this happens like every once in a while, my back will break out in something weird and Stacy will uh-huh. be like, your back is just all red. And I'm always like, ah, who cares? Yeah. You know, my, I just, and it never, nothing bad ever happens. You know, it just, it just is a, some weird skin. I feel like Asians, a lot of Asians I know have scratchy, itchy, hivey skin. You know what I mean? It's just like yeah. sensitive. And, and so I just thought, well, you know, no big deal, whatever. Well, about a couple minutes later, it just starts to occur to me like, wait, you know, this has never happened to me before. So Mm. let me Google it. So I start Googling around and instantly it becomes clear that I'm having an allergic reaction to something, Mm. you know. And then I start hearing these terms anaphylaxis, right? Essentially your your throat swells up to the point where you die because you can't get oxygen. And I'm like, ah. It's prob- that's probably not happening, but, you know, I probably oh, no. should go to urgent care. 
So, have I told you the story yet, by the way? You told me the, the high-level version. Okay. Yeah. So, I... I'm I'm at we're at the hotel and like the 25th floor or something and so okay well look up on the internet where's where's the you know closest urgent care and I find it and there it's just across the street it's like a half block away and but that's convenient but there's the parades and <laughs> my hotel is right on the parade route so and you can't just cross <laughs> yeah and so to, so if you haven't been to Mardi Gras before. Essentially, for about 10 days, there are parades throughout New Orleans, and almost all of them terminate down by, uh, I think, it, what is it, the main street there? I can't remember the main street there. But, Bourbon Street or something? Well, there's Bourbon, but then there's, there's, a, there's another street there. Anyway, the point is, is that we're right on that main parade street, and all the parades end up there. And the parades are seven hours long. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. <laughs> and... There's so many people, particularly where we are, because uh, that's where most of the crowds are. Anyway. Do you get up on the float and go, well, shake it up, baby, now. Yeah, Ferris Bueller. (laughs) So I'm like, well, you know, we'll we'll figure out a way to get across the parade and and we'll get to, um, you know, urgent care. So get downstairs. We're fighting the crowds. And I'm just like... You know, I'll get to urgent care. I'm sure they'll just be like, it's not a big deal. Or here's a antihistamine, you know, go home. And, and that'll be that. Right. Well, it takes me, I don't know how long, maybe no joke, 45 minutes to get across the street. Cause you have Are to, you kidding me? cause you have to walk blocks down the street to get to a spot oh where, where essentially people are jumping the fence. Cause you can't just cross the street. You know what I mean? Like there are these oh places where. Essentially, like, people are breaking the law, but there's enough of them that it's okay, right? I'm surprised they don't have breaks in the parade every mile or so. Well, so, let me back up. They do do that sometimes, because it is kind of a chaos, situ- chaotic situations, but, situation, but the day before, two people had died because they got too close to the, to the floats and were crushed. Oh God, two people were were are dead because you're kidding me. They were standing too close because the police officers were too lenient about people kind of crossing oh the road. My God, and two people got sucked under, and they because these these floats are like they're like ginormous uh, right. semi truck size uh, things, and so so they literally got crushed. Oh yeah. my God, so. They were being particularly anal about letting people cross street. Okay, so I fi- we finally get across street. We get to urgent care, and it's closed, even though the internet oh. didn't say it's closed. But everything has weird hours around Mardi Gras. Like, essentially, all the locals close all their businesses. Like, no. just trying to find a restaurant that was open downtown was really hard during Mardi Gras. Like, if you haven't oh been to God. New Orleans and you want to visit New Orleans, like, actually visit New Orleans, <laughs> don't go during Mardi Gras because nothing is open. Because the locals all want to go to the parades. So, anyway. Right. So, then I'm like, God damn it. All right. So, I Google again, okay, nearest other hospital or ER or something. Well, there's a a uh, a hospital that's about eight blocks away, and you know you figure, well, you know, I could probably walk. It's like a half mile in a, in downtown New Orleans, and it's the University Hospital. It's the University of 
lot of uh, New Orleans or University of um, Louisiana Hospital. And so it's like, mm. it's a full medical center. And I figure it's got to have an ER. It's got to be open. Okay. So I look at the map and I figure out how to get there. And I have to go back to the other side, okay, of the parades. Oh, my God. So I battle <laughs> my way back to, we battle can't, our way. Can't you take an Uber? <laughs> yeah. So that's like completely just, you know, because they, they, they shut down all the streets. Anyway, get back to their side, and we're traveling what I believe to be north. And I miscalculated, I think, the parade route, and I ran back into the parade as I was heading north. You know Oof. what I mean? So now uh, Stacy is looking at my face, and she's like, it's worse. It's, oh, it's, getting, no. it's getting worse. Like, you're not getting better. This is getting worse. And what about your throat? Are you feeling it? I'm starting to feel like a little something, but I don't know if it's because I'm just scared or something, but I'm starting to feel a little kind of itch in my throat, a little tension, you know what I mean? And okay. So just to paint a picture, there are millions of people just, you know, shoulder to shoulder and you can't even walk on the street because there's so many people, right? You know, there's no way to get around. You're basically in a, just a throng, like a mosh pit, essentially. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I've got to cross the street. I've got to get across. And I, and I'm looking and, you know, at the loud noises and this is, and it's midday, you know, it's two, three o'clock. So it's light out. And I'm looking both ways and I'm like, I don't think there's anywhere to cross. We just have to, we just have to get across. And at this point I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to jump the fence. I'm, you know, I don't care about social norms at this point. Like I'm jumping the fence. Okay. So then I find kind of a spot where I can weasel my way up to the front where the, where the fence is. And I'm about to jump over. There's a, but there's a last little row of old women in these chairs that had been Uh sort of parked there, you know, probably a long time. And mind you, there's no there's no floats going by right now because the floats actually happen kind of infrequently. It's like there's a lot okay. of waiting, and so I get to these women and I'm like, "Excuse me, ma'am, can I just can I just jump over the fence right there?" And they ignore me. Uh, okay, uh, ma'am, uh, is it? I, I'm actually I'm having like an allergic reaction. I need to get to the hospital. Could could I just jump over the fence right here? Totally ignore me, and I what? and I know they can hear me. And I'm like, uh, ma'am, uh, I'm not trying to get, because they're trying to preserve their spot. Yeah. Because they yeah. want, because the whole thing about these Mardi Gras parades is getting swag. The, oh. the, the parades go by and that's like beads? The, yeah. And well, okay. not just beads, but like toys and coconuts oh. and what? masks and <laughs> oh swords God. and like, like, like seriously, the next, if I ever go again, I'm bringing a helmet because I got beamed in the head with a, a little toilet, actually. It was a, it was a oh plastic toilet. And Jeez. so. This sounds so unappealing all of a sudden. Yeah. And, and it's the plastic toys, like 80% do not get caught and they're just on the, on the ground. You know what I mean? And oh, they, no. And these, after the parades come, these giant, um, uh, bulldozers come by and bulldoze up all the plastic toys <laughs> and, the, and it just goes to yeah. a dump somewhere anyway. So oh, I'm like, ma'am, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to take your spot. I just need to jump over the fence. If you could just move aside, like, you know, take one step to the left, I'll jump over the fence and I'll be out of your hair. And the woman just turns around. She's like, get out of here. I mean, just total wow. dicks, just total dicks about it. Right. And 
I was being nice. You know, I was not. Yeah. I was like, ma'am, you know, I just need to jump over the fence. Is it okay? So I get shamed into thinking, okay, I'm going to die here because this effing woman won't let, won't just turn her body just for a second so I can jump over the fence. Yeah. So then I make my, then I see a break. The cops have actually opened up a break about a half block down. They've opened up a, a break and people are streaming across. It's just like throngs. <laughs> it's like a, a like the floodgates. The floodgates open in both directions. People and and so Stacy and I see it and we, we you know we start pushing our way through the crowd to get over there. And mind you, right now I'm like, there's a chance I'm dying right now. Like there's yeah. a chance that even if I get across this thing, I'm not even going to make it to the hospital. Oh, jeez. And so I finally get to this, this, you know, break in the, in the dam and they close it up just before I get there. But there's, there's a cop, right? There's a cop right there. And I say, uh-huh. and I say, excuse me, sir, I'm having an allergic reaction. Can you just let me cross? I need to get to the hospital. And he's like, no yeah. more people stand back. What? No, no more people. I'm like, sir, look at my face. Cause I, I am, yeah. I do not look, I look like like a leper or like my whole oh my, my gosh. I say sir as you can see from my face I'm having an allergic reaction can I please just cross I just need to get to the hospital I'm not trying to scam you I I need to get to the hospital it's 6 blocks to the north the only way I can get there is if you let me through stand back sir stand back you know oh my god no, no more people through sir I look at my face do, do I look healthy? I'm trying to get to the hospital. Ambulances cannot get to me. Oh I have God. to cross the street. Sir, you're going to have to stand back. No more people. Oh, my God. I do this three or four more times. I'm not joking. And at some point, I'm screaming at him, look at my oh, face. Geez. Look at my neck. Do I look like I'm healthy. I need to get to the hospital. And it, and something just clicked in his stupid mind, his Jeez. tiny little walnut size of a brain. And he's like, "Oh. Well, there's a there's an aid tent, a medical aid tent over there." And I'm like, "Great. It it's across the street though. <laughs> Great. Can you take me there?" And he's like, <laughs> "Okay, follow me." Oh my god. So he lets me in. By the way, you're in. probably lucky you're not black. <laughs> right. He lets me in and, you know, across, and we walk across, we go to the medical tent. I sit down in, in the medical tent, and I, I, I'll, I'm the only one in the medical tent. Like, there's no other people. And by the way, tent is, a, is, a, is an overstatement. It's basically just like a, like a rain tent, the kind of tent you would put at a yeah. park just to protect you from the rain. You know what I mean? It's a, I see. a tiny, like, you know, six by six little tarp, essentially. So it's open to the world, right? And so it's it's right next to the parade. So there are, again, there's thousands of people around. And I, um, I, I sit down and the medics start asking me questions like, what's going on? I was like, well, look at my face. And they're like, did you eat anything? And I said, well, I had a a crawfish sandwich, you know, and it's, it, it, that has, that's shellfish. And, and they're like, are you allergic to shellfish? And I'm like, no, cause I've eaten 
shellfish my entire life, like copious amounts of shellfish yeah. my entire life. I live in Seattle. Have you ever had an allergic reaction before? No. Um, do you have trouble breathing? Uh, I think maybe a little bit. So as they're asking me these questions, they're shoving needles in my arm. Like, what? I don't know. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're hooking me up to an IV. Okay. They're injecting things into my vein. And Stacy's sitting there. She's like, what are you giving him? And they're, you know, they're explaining. Yeah. I don't like needles. My body doesn't like needles. Like sure. I, I've had, I've fainted before from needles and this sort of thing. So once I fainted once before, I've almost fainted a couple more times. And I am overwhelmed right now. And, yeah. and, and there's students, there's student medics. So there's not the main medic, but there's also like just a whole crowd of medics. I'm not even joking. <laughs> Seven to eight medics crowded around me, like, you know, making me feel claustrophobic. I'm sitting in this chair. <laughs> They're asking me all these questions and I start to have a vasovagal, you know, syncope response. I start to faint. And if, if people out there, have you ever fainted, Berto? I don't, uh, I almost fainted once. Um, like, do you f have to fully lose awareness uh, when you faint? Is that a well, definition of faint? there's the beginning of the fainting process, and then there's actually yeah. losing consciousness. So, but, but the beginning so I've is... I've definitely, f like, crumpled down. So it was at the end of a very intense run in a relay race many years ago, and it had been really, really hot. I was probably dehydrated. Right. And so I, I just stopped running, and I couldn't, like, I couldn't stay standing up, and I literally just kind of collapsed and was super woozy it came this close to fainting basically <laughs> like like tunnel vision yeah all that stuff right yeah right so all that so i can feel it and although i've probably had it happen three four times in my life it's extremely familiar to me as it starts mm. to happen i immediately am like oh god i'm about to pass out this is gonna suck and Whoa. looking at it now, it's just like, well, fuck it, dude, just pass out. Who cares? <laughs> you know, like it's sure. not, it's not that big of a deal, but, but in the moment it just feels so bad to, to lose yeah. control, you know, and to pass out. So, so I'm starting to panic and they're uh, asking me questions, you know, of like, you know, are you allergic to this? Did you take any medications and all these kinds of things? How much did you drink? You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah take any drugs and i'm i'm about to i'm like i'm about to pass out so i tell them so everyone i'm about to pass out so so i'm sitting in this chair and i'm worried <laughs> that if i because i actually not only do i faint but i actually will go into convulsions in the, in the past when i've when i fainted before i actually go into convulsions which really scares people yeah, <laughs> and i could sure. like hit my head if i'm sitting up in a chair you know what i mean yeah so i'm like thinking I have enough brain power to know because I've studied this fainting response enough to know that if I get blood to my head, then it's less likely I'm going to pass out. One, two, if I'm prone, then I'm less likely to fall and hurt myself. So I'm saying to them, uh, sir, I'm about to pass out. I need to get my head down. And I'm trying to sort of scoot my butt down the chair <laughs> so I can get my head below my heart, you know, and my yeah. I'm trying to elevate my legs because yeah. because actually that's the prevention is to okay. get because your blood pools up in your legs and then you yeah, pass yeah. out. 
So if I can elevate my legs, get my, get my head down, then I'm much less likely to pass out. And I, keep, and I can't tell you how many times I have had to tell a medical professional their jobs, which is to understand how to prevent someone from fainting. And he kept saying, you're not going to pass out. You're okay. And I've, I've heard that. Th- so I've, I've almost, like I said, I've almost passed out three or four times and actually did pass out once. And two of the times, the medical, one was a surgeon and the other one was this, this you know, emergency medical person is literally telling me, you're not going to pass out. Everything's fine. I'm like, do you not know the vasovagal response? Do you not yeah. understand that? People pass out. People faint. Do you not? Have you never heard of the fact that some people faint when they have needles or when they're having medical anxiety? Only in movies, sir. Yeah. And he he just kept saying, you're not going to pass out. And I'm just like, oh, my God. This guy has no idea. So then I get worried more because it's like, if he doesn't know what vasovagal is, what is he putting in my arm? Right. And I'm even telling him I might convulse. I'm telling him as I'm trying to make – and so I'm trying to make myself put my legs up and – now two of the medics are forcibly uh, grabbing my knees and shoving them back toward the chair, so so I'm sitting straight up, like they're not what? letting they're not letting me kind of crouch down and get my legs up, uh-huh. and they're like they're it was like I was being frisked by police officers, you know, when they Jeez. when they put their knee kind of in your knee and they they just really kind of shove it like really uh-huh. forcefully, so now I'm basically being like gang banged by these medical people you know what i mean and i'm like i might pass out no you're not i if i pass out i might convulse so you might want to you know get control of my arm with this iv in it because i'm worried that you know the iv is going to come become compromised because that's always a a worry of mine there's not listening to me they're not listening to me and i'm just like and 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 i am slowly but surely passing out total ton of tunnel vision total confusion that I can see their mouths moving, but I can't hear them. And I don't understand what they're saying. Everything sounds really far away. Uh. Intense anxiety, by the way, trigger alert. If, if you have problems with this, you might not want to listen to this whole thing, by the way, because you can actually pass out by listening to people passing out. So let's take a break. Let's take a nice big breath. I think I just need that. Anyway, um. so I'm sitting there and uh, I'm about to pass out. And I'm like, it's going to happen. This is going to yeah. happen. This is terrible. Um, and uh, I can, I, I hear them saying they're pumping me with Benadryl and prednisone and then epinephrine, you know, which oh, I know man. to be adrenaline. Yeah. And um, I... I'm like, I'm about to pass out. And then miraculously, my body starts to calm down. And I, just at the brink of passing out, I I start pulling back. But if you've ever almost fainted, it is is like you can ramp up to fainting in the span of like 15 seconds. But coming down from a fainting Mm. episode is like hours. Like your brain, it's almost like brain damage has occurred or something. (laughs) It kind of feels like you're rattled, you know, for for many hours. In fact, for me, usually I have to wake up the next day and that's when I feel finally normal again. I I could say that the time I was mentioning, it wasn't probably as extreme, but man, it, yeah, because I had never, 
Not that I remember it. I mean, obviously, I've, I've been knocked out from a hit to the head, but I hadn't had that feeling of like, I'm here and now all of a sudden I can't stand and now all of a sudden everything's going away. And then like I didn't fully, but I was on the floor. I couldn't really get up for a while. And then even after I like, they brought me water and I started getting hydrated. Yeah, I wasn't right for hours. <laughs> right. No it's, question. Yeah, it's it's a pretty awful feeling. Like it's yeah. it's not pleasant. So, so I start pulling back and I'm actually... Now I'm just elated because I'm like, okay, okay. And I'm just announcing, I'm like, I'm not, okay, I'm coming back. Blood is going back to my brain. I'm actually trying to teach these <laughs> yahoos what a, what a vasovagal syncope is. I'm like, yeah. okay, my blood pressure is probably going back up. My brain is getting oxygen. I'm less confused. I can now understand what you're saying to me. A couple of minutes ago, I, I wasn't understanding anything you were saying to me because my brain didn't have any oxygen. And so if you asked me a question during that fainting episode, I probably didn't hear you. So you're going to have to repeat. I'm, I'm walking them through their jobs, yeah. by the way, which was not happy for me. So everything starts to calm down. I'm, I'm in that post-faint funk, which does not feel good. I am chock full of epinephrine, adrenaline, <laughs> and, you know, uh, Pregnizone and Benadryl, all of which are pushing and pulling my brain in various different directions, and and my heart rate, by the way. Oh yeah, you know, oh, think of gosh. the movie Pulp Fiction when they put epinephrine into uh -huh. her into her heart. You know, it, it's yeah, you know, it's it's not that exactly, but it's similar. So then they're like, okay, well, we're going to take you to the hospital. I'm like, okay, I mean, it stands to reason because we can't leave you here, and we have to have you be monitored to make sure that you don't make sure your throat doesn't close up. And I'm like, okay, great. So they put me into on a, on a, an ambulance shows up and they put me on a stretcher. Well, to get me through the crowd for whatever reason they need to, those, those ambulance stretchers laying, when you're laying down, they can rise you up like you're literally five and a half feet off the ground. For, for oh, they, yeah. they have that functionality. Those are very fancy chairs. Yeah. yeah. So they, they raise me up to five and a half feet off the ground. Now, mind you, there's a parade. I'm in the middle of a parade. This oh, is, my God. This, the tent is in the middle of the parade crowd, okay? And they put me on this, on this hey, great, stretcher. Hey, great view. You know, best view in town. <laughs> really? So I could see for blocks. And... I, they also had hooked up all these um, leads to my heart to, to monitor my heart. So they'd pulled my shirt up like I was like I had a midriff shirt and my belly was showing. And so I'm laying there on the stretcher with my shirt up above my belly button. Getting beads by the dozens. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, you know, this glazed look on my face. I've, you know... I've got this IV in, and you probably look like Mr. Burns in that one Simpsons episode. Yeah, I mean, I do not look. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's a it, it was a sight, you know, to see. And Stacy in that moment is like, "Should I take video? Because this is pretty funny." Because everyone was looking at me. We're talking yeah. thousands of people are looking at me, and because they because they, they have to get through the crowd. And we're yeah. talking again, thousands of people to get to the ambulance. 
And so eventually, as we're making our way through all these people, I just made a little game out of it where I would, I would establish eye contact with someone. <laughs> and I would just watch them go through the stages of just like, oh, what's going on here? And then they're looking at me and they're like, oh. And then I would just kind of give them a thumbs up or I'd smile or I'd make a little jokey face. And <laughs> then they'd start easy. And then they'd start laughing a little bit, right? So like it, every person, I just tried to make light of it, I guess. Were they like, that's Dr. Kirkonda from the Psychology in Seattle. So I swear to God, that did run through my mind. It's like, my God, I hope no <laughs> listeners are here. So I, they, they put me in the, in the uh, ambulance and I'm still feeling pretty bad. And I'm kind of scared. You know, I'm still, I'm not, I'm not really out of the woods because the, the medics are still kind of freaking out. They're just like, right. we, we need ER to be ready stat. You know, they're, they're, they're still pretty worried about yeah. me, about yeah, that yeah. I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah. And I'm very disoriented. I'm still, you know, 50% brain not working. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm in the ambulance, so we're almost at the hospital. Okay. Well, they have to make their way through the crowds in the There's got to be a provision. There's no. a provision here. Well, they, they turn on the lights, but the people don't move out of the way. Oh, my God. So now, I, we, it, I don't know how long it took. It seemed like, if I'm going to be conservative about my exaggeration, I would say it seemed like 25 minutes. It could have been longer. To go, Unbelievable. To go six blocks. Okay. Which in that state, you're probably like, it feels like hours. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, when are we going to get uh, that? Okay. Um, and they strap me in like, uh-huh. you know, they, like I'm, uh, I don't know, like I'm a flight risk or something. You know, they, <laughs> they, they strap my arms and legs in so I can't, and my oh. whole body. So I can't move. I'm like in a straight jacket. Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> it's alive. Barely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so then they hook me up to a blood pressure thing and my blood pressure is through the roof. Oh um, my God. It is like, I can't remember the number, but it was like, it was like, you know, 170 over something. And for those yeah. who know blood pressure, like 135, you get a little worried. You know, I'm, I'm like 170. Yeah. Um, we get to the hospital, things start to calm down. Um, I, I feel just, awful with all the drugs in me and like the post-shock experience and um things start to calm down and at that point i texted you berto because Mm, yes i remember (laughs) just before that i think on this podcast you talked about how you went to the hospital Mm -hmm. because you were really uh having a a a tough time and i told you why didn't you reach out to me for support you know why why didn't why didn't you tell at least i would could have visited or or called yeah. you to you know support you or something and so and i even mentioned how lonely i felt while i was there right and so we vowed to each other yep. that we were hospital buddies yes. and if one of us goes to the hospital then the other was going to reach out i thought it would be you i didn't think it was yeah, going to be right? me and it was probably just like a couple weeks later that i'm that i'm uh i'm texting you and so we're going back and forth by the way stacy this whole time was great she was very calming and you know very nice and she's still kicking herself for not taking a picture of me while i was being carted through the crowds with my midriff <laughs> showing epic, and epic yeah picture. um and by the way i you know things are kind of quiet in the hospital and i hear because we're right outside the nurse's station and there's this nurse talking about how he fell asleep under a table while a patient had several alerts 
for one hour and he, he was, he was sort of bragging about it to another nurse. He's like, yeah, yeah. You know, yesterday I fell asleep under the desk oh my here God. and I woke up and I realized this one patient had alerts for that whole hour. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. It no, did not inspire. You're listening to this. Yeah. It did not inspire confidence in <laughs> oh, no. Louisiana, uh, universities, university of Louisiana's, um, we, medical center. We lost a few patients while I was taking a nap. <laughs> yeah. Before I talk crap, I just want to make sure that's the hospital I was at. New Orleans hospital. It was, yeah, University Medical Center, New Orleans, which is uh, for, uh, I think it's the University of, University of, um, I don't know what university it is. You know, Tulane. It's Tulane. Anyway. Oh, I had a friend from Tulane. Uh, so, uh, another told, another nurse comes up to me, one of, my, one of my main nurses, and she comes up and she's like, yeah, actually... I had the same thing happen to me last week where I broke out. I ate something and I broke out in hives. Oh, wow. And I went to the hospital and I took a bunch of drugs, but I went home uh, a little too early. Uh, and 12 hours later, my throat closed ah! and I passed out uh, on my way back to the ER. And, oh my God. Uh, and, and they saved my life. And she's sort of laughing about it. She's telling you, what kind of bedside story is this? Well, she was telling me this, I think, because the doctor had said there can be a rebound effect when you have yeah. an allergic reaction and you need to make sure that you take, you know, precautions. Yeah. And, and I just thought it was the weirdest story. She's like, yeah. So, yeah, 12 hours later, my throat started closing. So I came back to the hospital and my throat completely closed and I passed out in the parking lot and... They managed to save my life. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Like it. I mean, how would that not freak you out further? <laughs> There's a different way to tell you that information. Like, sir, just so you know, you might go through blood. You know, like. <laughs> yeah, but I was more struck by how funny she thought that she almost died yesterday. Yeah. It was or yeah. uh, three days ago or whatever. Oh my god. So, so uh, they discharged me, but you know. They're telling me Jeez. in 12 hours. So I, I was there for probably like four hours or something, uh -huh. maybe eight. I don't know. It was a long time. They're like, so it could, it could, and the way it would rebound if it's 12 hours, it would have been three in the morning or four in the morning or something. Oh my God. Right. So, and mind you, I have so many drugs in me right now that I want to <laughs> fall asleep and run a marathon at the same time. At the same time. So then they're like, okay, you need to get, ep you need to get an EpiPen. Because uh -huh. if your throat closes in the middle of the night, you need to give yourself that EpiPen. You yeah. also need prescriptions for, you know, uh, epinephrine or for prednisone and Benadryl. And so I'm like, okay, well, and does your hospital have a pharmacy? Because hospitals, you know, yeah. they get their drugs somewhere, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, so can you set me up here? And they're like, oh, no, our pharmacy is closed. Uh, and I'm just, I just don't understand that. You have an emergency yeah. room. You gave me a prescription right. and now I have to find, and I'm not, I'm a visitor and the yeah. parades and it's, everything's closed. And I think it was Sunday actually. So How anyway. efficient, right? How broken. Yeah. So then we're, I'm in the ER and sitting in the, you know, in the, in the parking lot and I'm like, okay, we need to find a pharmacy that's open, you know, like Bartels or something that's open at like midnight 
that will be available for me to buy an EpiPen and all these other things. Long story short, finally find one and call them and think maybe they're up because Bartell or Walgreens, I think it was Walgreens. No, none of the Walgreens have their own telephone. So the only telephone oh. that's listed in the on the internet is their is their general one eight hundred number. Oh my god! So like you the can't companies. call the you can't call yeah. the store to see if it's open, right? Oh boy! So it's an and when you call this one eight hundred number on a Sunday night at eleven thirty, it goes to an automated system. Of course. And there's so I'm like, well, let's just see if this is open, and it's. 45 minutes across town. It's like far oh away. Oh my God, what a... So we call... I didn't realize... So like I said, you had told me the high levels. I didn't realize what an epic <laughs> Hobbit adventure this was. Yeah, so I'm thinking, okay, if we are on our way to the Walgreens and my throat closes, then what? Yeah. You know? So I call a lift and the lift took forever to find us because, you know, hospitals oh, have all geez. these weird entrances anyway. Finally get to Walgreens and I, you know, I'm buying all this stuff and it's like hundreds of dollars worth of medications, you know, two EpiPens, blah, blah, blah. And for some reason, my insurance isn't working, which just always drives me crazy. It's like whenever I'm at a, just a regular, because you have to, I think your insurance has to, my insurance has to authorize particular pharmacies or something. It's maddening. Oh yeah. And so I'm like, okay, fuck it. I'm just going to buy it. You know, $595, fine. Just here's my credit card. And I've been using my credit cards all my life. Okay. They run it through. It's not working. My credit oh, card no. is not working. I give them my other credit card. Not working. <sighs> <laughs> and the bank put a hold on it. <laughs> yeah, because I'm in New Orleans. Yeah. And yeah. I had made some charges earlier in the day. And so... <sighs> Dude. They said, and, and and every time this happens to me, I always call the credit card company. I say, what is the effing point of having a credit card if you're going to have this function that makes it so I can't use it when I travel? Like, how stupid is that? And they're like, well, sir, you know, it's, it's to protect your credit. I'm like, it's not protecting me. <laughs> yeah. It is just driving me. I'm trying to buy an EpiPen here. Will you, you know, (laughs) I'm yelling at them like, well, sir, you know, we can't, well, uh, Stacy's card works anyway. So we end up buying this stuff. The one little nice thing that happened is while I'm sitting there waiting for them to make my prescription, thinking my throat's going to close at any moment. Commodore's night shift comes on the, uh, the Muzak, you know, because then on the night shift, you know, (laughs) and me and this other, a uh, middle-aged lady are it's quiet in the Walgreens you know because it's midnight it's very quiet and both of us are just kind of on the night shift <laughs> you know and, and we're both just because I know every trill every line every oh. voice of that song and so did she and we very quietly sang along Carrie Night Shift <laughs> by Commodores while we were wow. both waiting for our medication little human connection there. <laughs> Get back to the hotel. Stacy instantly falls asleep. It's way past her bedtime. I'm like, I don't want to fall asleep. Right. Because I don't want to, I don't want to die in the middle. Of the, I mean, what is that? What is it like to have your throat closed while you're asleep? Do you wake up? Probably not. Yeah, right. If, if I wake up, do, do I, 
you know, turn on the lights and know how to use this EpiPen thing. Right. So I'm staring in the, into the darkness, just going, oh, no. like, what is going to happen to me? You know. At least if it were Vegas, you'd, you'd call my room and we'd go down to the tables, you know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, live through the night uh, and the the more by morning time, the hives were uh, much smaller. They were still there, by the way. Okay. But I felt a lot better. And... Did you get sleep eventually? Or... Yeah, I think a little bit of sleep. Yeah. Um, but, so that's my epic story. That Epi pen epic story. That took 45 minutes to tell. Dude, that, I, did, I had no idea. I'm so sorry you went through that, man. Yeah, because it's not, it's not just <sighs> that I went through a medical problem. It was like I couldn't actually get to medical help. Right, right. And then... I couldn't get the medication to save my life in the middle of the night because New Orleans shuts down during Mardi Gras and God help you if you get sick in the middle of all that mess. It's weird that we both went through some very, very intense medical emergencies so close to each other. I mean, it's in time. Like mine happened just like two weeks before that or whatever. Yeah. And we had just made the health anxiety episode. Yeah. And the pandemic was just around the just corner. Just coming. Yeah. It's incredible. I have multiple times thought to myself that maybe it, maybe the thing that I had was the, the COVID thing. It's just that the symptoms didn't really line up because I never had a fever. It it was um, it was chills and, and um, uh, flushing, but I never once registered a fever. I never had coughing. So, you but know, you never know just, with all the bizarre uh, symptoms, <sighs> constellations. Yeah, there, potentially. There. The thing is, I do think I narrowed it down, by the way. I don't know if I ever told you. Uh, to, to, it, it might actually have been an allergic reaction to a type of cinnamon called Ceylon cinnamon. Really? Uh, and the reason I believe this is the case is, uh, so I got it for Christmas because I had put it on my Christmas list. It turns out that... Uh, th- there's two types of cinnamon. One is the the usual one we eat and put in stuff around here, and that's not technically like like original cinnamon or normal cinnamon. Or whatever. Uh, the the OG cinnamon is called Ceylon cinnamon, and I could swear that that's the kind I grew up with in Colombia. It tastes a little different, but whatever. So I ordered. I I, I asked for for Christmas for powdered Ceylon cinnamon so I could add to my shakes, my super healthy shakes. And I got it for Christmas. And so in the month of January, I started adding it to my shakes. But keep in mind, you know, when you, when I'm a kid and I'm having cinnamon in something, it's because like grandma put a little cinnamon stick to boil in like a pot of milk or something, right? Whereas here I was dumping a spoonful of this stuff into my shakes. So my, uh, my big problem happened towards the end of January. That's when I had this, this, it was uh, January 27th is when it started. My birthday was the 28th and I spent my birthday, most of it at the ER. (laughs) And so it was really terrible. But the thing is a few, like a week later or, or something like that, it was early in the morning and I was just recovering. I had been, you know, it was like a week later, I was still feeling bad, but I was sort of on the, on the mend and I went to have some water and, and all I put in the water was a little bit of that cinnamon and a little bit of amla powder, which is this Indian gooseberry powder that I also had. And I put that in and I drank that. And within like 15 minutes or something, I started feeling symptoms again. Not as intense as when it first started, but 
pretty much like it was there. I was like, what the hell? So then I got super suspicious and I put both of those powders away in a, in an upper shelf because I was like, uh, I don't think maybe it's something to do with this. Okay. Time goes by. It's like maybe three weeks later, maybe even a month later. And, uh, it's like, basically my roommate makes some, uh, what do you call it? Muffins or something. And like, have, have a muffin. I'm like, sure. So I have, I have a couple of muffins and that like an hour later, I start feeling symptoms again. I start feeling really weird. I'm like, what is happening? So then I ask him like, what, what, what what were the ingredients in these muffins? It's like, I don't know, the usual, it's got this, that. Oh, I used some of that cinnamon powder that you had on the shelf. I was like, are you kidding me? Well, there you go. That's got to that's gotta prove it right there. That's that, got to be because that cause was a blind test. Blind test. So I'm thinking, and then I looked, I had actually done, done an allergy test back in December, like where they draw your blood and they t- test a whole bunch of stuff. Now, I wasn't fully allergic to anything, but there were some things in the yellow. Cinnamon was one of them. Uh. And I went back and looked and I'm like, holy crap, this might have been it. Yeah. I might have had an allergist. Both of us might have had allergic reactions to stuff. Well, so the thing for me is it's totally bizarre. I'm glad you found some answer because I don't have. So then I set an appointment immediately with an allergist and I had an appointment to do the full test, which I've never done, by the way, because I've never been allergic to anything in my life. I, I, you know, I, I've never been allergic to anything in my life. I'm yeah, 49 years I'm 49 years old. So, I look it up on the internet and apparently you can develop random yeah, allergies at too. any time in your life. But I like I said, I have eaten shellfish my entire life. I've eaten mussels and yeah. crab and uh scallops. Oh my god, scallops are the best. Right. And right. clams and crawfish and lobster. Everything. I eat everything <laughs> and so to you eat poo boys poo boys for breakfast <laughs> not poo boys i do not poo eat... boys you eat poo boys for breakfast <laughs> <laughs> i'm imagining like a like a poo in the shape of a boy i guess um now this reminds me of another experience which i think i talked about in another episode in which i, I went to havana cuba and got extremely deathly ill right and right. once again had no access to medical care because one, oh, yeah. it, it was Sunday because, and literally in Cuba, in Havana anyway, nothing is open on Sunday, wow. uh, especially hospitals. So, <laughs> which is surprising because they're not religious. So, right. But yeah. everything closes on Sunday. The only thing that was open is this tiny little clinic that's open for foreigners on Sunday. And it's basically nothing. There's only a clinic for foreigners, but not locals. Yeah, in Havana they have they have two money wow. systems. They have a they have money that foreigners use. They have the money that locals use. And so, like, oh my god, uh, because everything is is so exp- every everything's so cheap. Yeah, that if foreigners used the money in Havana as as you know ex- actual exchange, you could go to Havana and spend like I don't know conservatively like $76 for like a week and be hmm. a king. You know what I mean? Anyway, so the point is, is that my friends had to go around trying to get some sort of medication, some sort of help. I, I'm lying. I am, I am 
uh, you know, excuse the term, I am number twoing my guts out all day long <laughs> with and weak and shaky and in another country with oh. questionable medical uh, help. You know, like yeah. things in Havana are not going well. I'm just telling you. Yeah. For the locals, you know what I mean? So anyway, it sort of reminded me of that. And after that, I was just like, do I want to travel anymore? I'm not quite sure. <laughs> and it was yeah. funny because I had all this travel uh, plan this year. Like I went to Tahoe, which I went like a week and a half after that, which was fun. I, I was going to go to New York City for a week because uh, Stacy has a has a spa in Manhattan. That's it's sort of a startup. It's just a small little business that's, that's getting going. Right. If you live in Lower Manhattan, Daphne, you can actually buy skincare from them. They're they're open for that. Um, and I was going to go, so I was going to go to New York and really just do Manhattan right for a week, mm -hmm. you know? And then I was going to go to Italy. I wanted to go to Tuscany and Rome and all those places. Uh, I was going to go to the ascension of all of the, um, all of the hot air balloons in New Mexico and Albuquerque. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was thinking about, um, Going to South by Southwest, I think. Anyway, there's all these different trips. And you and I had actually talked about going to uh, to Austin to South yeah. by Southwest, and maybe even like uh, Monterey to see Carlos. You know, Carlos, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, by the way, uh, we will go to Austin in 2024 because that is where an eclipse is going to happen. Ooh, a total eclipse of the heart. Yeah. Um, well, I'm really sad because, of course, I would have already visited Colombia by this time. And this oh, is right. not happening. Right, right. So yeah. let's talk about vasovagal uh, syncope. So the first thing I'll say is I'm not a medical professional. So I don't, I, I'm only just kind of reading stuff off the internet. This is not my training. Also, if you need medical help, make sure you find a medical person, not me. <laughs> Uh, but from what I understand, it's called vasovagal syncope, a.k.a. neurocardiogenic syncope or reflex syncope. And it's basically just a fancy term for fainting. And essentially what happens is there's some sort of psychological trigger or some sort of biological trigger, like when you were very dehydrated and hot right. and, and tired. And for whatever reason, we have this evolved function where the heart rate slows, blood vessels dilate, and all your blood rushes into your legs and your mm -hmm. blood pressure just suddenly takes a huge drop. Essentially, that seems really useful. Yeah. Like, oh, get the blood to his feet. Wait, yeah. why? Essentially, well, <laughs> to get your blood away from your brain so you pass out. I mean, that that's the point. It's like, it's trying to get the blood away from your brain so you will lose consciousness. There's it, So that you fall, hit your head and die. Yeah. So we'll talk later about the potential <laughs> evolutionary advantage of this. You know, uh -huh. there's also uh, another term, blood injection, blood injection injury type specific phobia or bits. So this is essentially, you know, passing out from needles or, or seeing blood. Excessive irrational fear in response to the sight or anticipation of blood injury or injection. So there's syncope, which is passing out, and then there's, you know, this phobia. Preval what do you think the prevalence of blood injection injury type specific phobia, meaning people who are deathly afraid of needles or surgery or that kind of thing? 20%? 4%. Not that many. Okay. I, also, just, I, I figured it'd be higher because everyone talks about it. 
Well, you have to have it be pretty bad. You know, the, like, for yeah. example, for me now, I don't have this phobia, but I'm not, I don't enjoy needles. I'm not, I'm not like, yay, needles. But I don't really have a physiological response or a psychological, terrible psychological response. Yeah, I, I totally got over, I don't know, I don't even know, got over, like, I, needles are not a, a thing for me. Like, they're not a problem. Uh, in fact, that day that I was, like, super sick on my birthday, I had to sit there feeling like I was going to pass out, feeling like I was dying of something while they took, like they filled, I think it was 10 vials of blood. So they were like, and you know, when they do that, it's those thicker needles, like just because they need the flow. And I was like sitting there, that was pushing me to the edge because I'm like, I don't know if I can keep it together, man. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we get into meditation. possibly why. So, so again... This talking about this can actually trigger it in some people. So you want to be at least sitting down if you're don't don't and don't be driving a car if you're mm. just turn it off. Come back to us later. <laughs> so symptoms are before fainting are pale skin, lightheadedness, tunnel vision, ringing in the ears, confusion, hearing difficulties or attention difficulties, loss of orientation, meaning you don't know where you are or who you are, nausea, right. feeling warm. Uh, sweating, yawning, actually, interestingly, blurred vision, and severe anxiety. So the yawning bit when I read this was interesting because I I noticed when I was young that when I got nervous, I yawned. And I, I remember- oh, really? I remember that. When yeah. you're nervous? Yeah. I remember I'd be like hmm. terribly nervous and I would just be yawning. And I think it has to do with this Getting propensity air. to, well, I don't, we don't really know, but it's oh. I think it's this- um, well, who knows? We, we can get into that. So yeah. during the syncope, you will potentially, you pass out and you're unconscious. People might have jerky abnormal movements, meaning that they're, you know, convulsing, uh, a very slow, weak pulse, dilated pupils, hmm. and the loss of consciousness lasts less than a minute usually. Um, after that episode, there's usually confusion, anxiety, headache, weakness, etc. Okay. So the causes are, generally speaking, people have to be susceptible, meaning that they either have a genetic uh, disposition for it, it, t it tends to run in families very strongly, and or trauma. Uh, and for oh. me, if I was to point to a trauma, when I was a teenager, I had a bunch of surgeries on my, or no, I had two surgeries on my hand. And I had to, you know, have blood draws and I was, um, I had IVs and I was, you know, general anesthesia, anesthesia, all this kind of stuff. Right. It was a football injury. And I, uh, at the beginning of the whole process, I think they did a blood draw, just a, you know, just a blood test. And I wasn't afraid of needles at the time. I was just, I was, just, I was like 13, 14 years old and I'm, uh -huh. I'm just sitting there watching them pull the, pull the blood out. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And I'm not nervous. I'm not anxious. And they finish up and they say, okay, you know, have a seat and we'll give you the results. And I stand up and I'm walking across the waiting room to sit down next to my dad. And I almost faint right there. Oh, jeez! Like, I, I was like, whoa, like, you know, for like a half second, I almost yeah. just, I almost just like crumpled in the middle of the, for, and I, again, I wasn't anxious. So this was just, it was just my body saying yeah. lights out. And I remember saying, well, how much blood did you take out? And they're like, you know, they're like just a, just a vial. And I was like, is that enough to cause people 
to be weak? And they're like, no, you know, you have liters and liters of blood in your body. Yeah, like yeah. it's nothing. And so, uh, I was like, whoa, what is that? And again, no anxiety, it, you know, cognitively yeah. in my mind, I don't care. It's just a, just take the blood out. Who cares? But that was the trauma was that, oh my God, I almost passed out my body. And then my, you know, conscious mind learns, I do not do well with needles. That's when, mm. so I was okay with needles until <laughs> my body taught me I don't like needles. I see. And then it sort of starts a feedback loop where the next time I see a needle, I'm like, am I going to have that experience again? And yeah. my heart starts to race a little bit, which causes more likelihood to have the phobia and maybe the fainting, you know, and it just gets, it just cascades. It just gets worse and worse and worse. And as an anxious person, I have had that happen in a number of different ways. Like, I'm totally not claustrophobic. And then this one time I'm really boxed in and I have kind of a panic reaction. And then for the next seven and a half years, I have like massive <laughs> claustrophobia. And because, you know, it's like yeah. I wasn't born with claustrophobia. It's just like I have to have some bad experience that kind of locks it in. And then right. I proceed as a therapist to therapize myself and uh, use CBT essentially on myself to uh, you know, whack them all that anxiety down and, and something else will crop up. Uh, so triggers. And again, you, you really want to be sitting down if you're, um, susceptible to this. Uh, what are some common triggers? We've already named some, but you know, rattle off as many tri you know, precipitating events that would happen. Uh, seeing blood. Yeah. That's the big one. Um, being, scared like meaning in the yeah. moment like someone frightened you or yeah, just saw something frightened. fear anxiety yeah yeah um finding out some terrible news uh no now i'll no. say that typically it's not just scared it's usually something regarding the body it, it has mm. to be some kind of physical medical anxiety uh just being afraid doesn't because we're not talking about panic we're talking about fainting you know, your body faints and usually yeah. it very much has to do with blood, surgery, bodily injury, medical anxiety, not just I was thinking anxiety. more, more of like literally like, not like, oh, that's scary, but more like, ah, like, ah, ah, faint. You know, yeah, people maybe don't, I watch too many movies. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of a movie thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. People don't do that. But I was, th I'm surprised about the bad news one. Cause I, I could imagine, maybe it's also a movie thing, but I could imagine like Johnny just died. <gasps> oh, oh, I'm fainting. Well, so that might happen uh, for a variety of reasons that I could imagine, yeah. but it's not typically associated with vasovagal syncope. All right. And in the past, a lot of women would pass out because their corsets were too strict. Right, they couldn't, right, right. They couldn't breathe, you know. Uh, so overexertion, maybe? Yeah. Yep, yeah. exactly. Um, hey, I bet you um, going to altitude... <laughs> Um, like, I don't know. know if that affects people's vasovagal, actually. Oh, I mean, okay. you can feel, you can definitely feel lightheaded. Yeah, right. And right. that could maybe cause la lack of, con loss of consciousness, but it's not, it's not. So fainting is, this sort of fainting, vasovagal syncope, is when your blood pressure specifically drops. Oh, okay. If you lose oxygen, you'll eventually pass out, but that's not syncope. Sure. That, that is because you just don't have oxygen. You know what I mean? Uh, what about drops, like dropping? Um, I don't see that like one, but, or uh, but yeah, I mean, so I'm actually susceptible to that too. Like when I go on, uh, rides, 
mm-hmm. I I will often almost pass out. When I was younger, I wasn't like that. But like, interesting. If I go on a roller coaster where there's heavy G's, yeah, um, I I'm I frequently am almost passing out. That actually happened. No, I didn't pass out. But I remember this is something I started feeling. Uh, I, I used to love hardcore roller coasters, you know. And there was this one in particular in, in Florida that's the Incredible Hulk. And it, it was famous because, I don't know, that now there's probably many like this, but it's famous because it had the fastest acceleration going up because it starts off going up super, super fast. And then immediately, as soon as it comes out into the daylight, it does a twist upside down. Loved it. I remember a few years ago, I went and I did it and it didn't feel good. Like yeah. I felt like, like I was like, oh my God, I feel a little, and I also like bonked my head. So after that, I decided maybe I was getting a little too uh, long in the tooth for these hardcore roller coasters. Yeah, me too. I used to love those kinds of things when I was younger and the older I get, it, it really gets to me. And I think one of the things is because of this fainting, uh, almost fainting yeah. and then feeling really sick afterwards. Now, to be clear, I'm not a medical person, so I don't even... I'm sort of answering a lot of Burroughs questions, acting as if I know things and I don't. So if any medical per- sure. people are listening, they're probably just like, Kirk, you have this all wrong. So, you know, just well, I have regard one, everything though. I'm saying with that in mind. I bet you if you watch episode nine. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> other things are standing up for a long period of time. So there's a whole, oh, sure. there's a whole, I don't know, series of uh, videos on YouTube of, people passing out because they're standing next in a wedding you know they're they're yeah. part of the they're part of the wedding or even the bride or groom though because they, when you stand up for a long period of time particularly locking your knees then uh, yeah. then you can pass out heat exposure straining like even going number two uh will cause people to pass out sometimes. really yeah even urination Thanks. which is interesting so because yeah. there there's some nerve that's next to the bladder or something i don't know okay well then sex orgasm Maybe. I don't know. That's a good guess. Uh, swallowing, lifting a heavy weight, pressing on the back of your neck or head, lack of what? sleep, dehydration, uh, being in a hot, crowded, stuffy environment, alcohol, drug use, eating a large meal. Those are all the mm. things I found in different medical articles. Interesting. Okay. So let's talk about uh, the different... So you've heard of fight... So let's talk about why, you know, let's talk about why did we evolve this or some people evolve this. So the first thing we can talk about is just generally speaking, what are the five different evolved uh, acute stress responses? So you have fight and flight and what are, what are the other three? Uh, fight, flight. Uh, oh, um, freeze. Yep. That's one. What else? There's two more. Yep. Uh, duck and cover and roll <laughs> duck and roll um a cra- like i i, I don't call, know call like, a lawyer and sue them i don't know so it's, it's fight fl- flight freeze yeah uh panic no so not, so the others are one is that's mainly kind of like flight i guess um fight flight freeze or appease so they they, oh, they put I in appease because a lot of uh, abuse survivors will go into a peas mode when they're mm. around someone who's angry and faint. So that's, that's the oh, fifth one. Oh, duh, duh. So fight, yeah. flight, freeze, appease, and faint. But see, okay, so there there we go. Like the faint one, 
It's like, okay, you're going to eat me. Here you go. I'll make it easy on you. Right. So why, why would we do that? And I, and some articles, it, they seem to be saying that humans actually have this unique to them, that hmm. it's not common to a lot of mammals, if any mammals, to just faint. Now, there's some animals will play dead, but they're not, they don't faint. Their blood pressure yeah. doesn't force them to unconsciousness. I don't know that. I only read that kind of in yeah. one article. But I mean, I seem to recall something about a poison response where you don't want the poison to get to your brain as quickly or something. Right. So, so that's you... that's one theory is that, you know, we want to think back to 300,000 years ago as to what was the environment like? Why would we evolve this? Well, it's possible that needles and fangs are familiar to us. And when we get right. punctured with something, maybe it's best if it you slow the the blood down essentially, and you pass out, and yeah, you know, and that's why that after fainting you have that kind of groggy feeling because your body is really slow, and that is some um, of the biggest threats to primitive apes would have been poison, you know, snakes and yeah, some some spiders and stuff like that. So, do you have any other hypotheses? Uh, well, I guess to, but it just seems so heavy-handed to, uh, to pretend you're not a, not alive, and so like maybe you're not as interesting to some types of predator. Okay, good. Don't. So this is this is one of the leading theory, hypotheses. Really? In what scenarios would would that actually save you? There's actually one that when I say yeah. it, you'll be like, oh, it's not okay. one that we usually think about. Okay, let's see. I mean, if you have. Um, hmm. <laughs> well, because, you know, what's odd about it, though, is you have uh, maybe some predators, they are not carrion eaters. So therefore, if the thing's not moving, they're like, oh, I don't want to touch that because I could, you know, obviously they don't think this, but they avoided subconsciously because they don't want to get sick. So maybe to something like a, um, a tiger, I don't know. Tigers eat carrion. So. Yeah, they all eat carrion. <laughs> really? <laughs> Pretty much, you know, hyenas and Well, leopards. but there's some that don't eat decomposing stuff, but I just don't know which ones they are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not a bad hypothesis, but when I tell you this, you're going to be like, oh, this is one that we don't... I'd never heard this before. Eagles. Because <laughs> they don't, you know... <laughs> no. Other humans. So, when, you're oh. in, when you are in combat... This is a very uh, interesting, and it, it makes a lot of sense to me. Of course, we have no sure. way of testing this because we'd have to have a time sure. machine. But That makes sense. But in combat, when there's two tribes attacking each other, yeah. it, if, if you see blood uh, or you get punctured yourself with a spear or something right. and you pass out, then the other combatants, are not, they're not going to bother with you because you're passed out. You're disabled. You, they either think you're dead or you fainted. You're, you're no longer a threat. Hmm. And because and the other humans, they're not going to eat you. They're just, trying to, they're just trying to disable you or kill you. Yeah. And so the hypothesis is that because we fought each other often enough, there was a survival advantage for at least some of humans. Because not everyone has this. Like I said, it's a genetic uh, you know, variants that not everyone has. There's some advantage to to being extremely squeamish about blood because in, in a in a battle, 
some of your tribe would actually just pass out and be passed over and would live another day to have sex and have kids. <laughs> so like Paul McCartney says, I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> yeah, that's not Paul McCartney. What are you talking about? Yeah, it is. That's Michael. Oh, I thought I told you. I'm a lover, not a fighter. I, I oh, is that Michael who says it? I swore that's Michael. No, you might be right. Well, for some reason, I'm hearing the You even said it in Michael's high voice. Well, I said the second time, but at first I said it with All right, now we got to look it up. No, you're probably uh, right. The girl No, no, wait, wait, wait. My... I thought I told you. Lyrics. I'm a lover, not a fighter. Uh, let's see. Well, there yeah. we have, uh, Paul and Michael, because <laughs> it's not listed out. I thought I told you. I'm a lover, not a fighter. Uh, yeah, you might be right. Let's see. The girl is mine. Uh, I can't really find it. It's going to take me too long. I don't um, believe you. No, 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 no. I'll just type in. Mine, mine. I'm a lover. Is mine. Not a fighter. Mine, mine. Uh, it's the kinks. <laughs> I'm not going to... Oh, no, you're right, because he goes, we're not going to fight about this. And then he goes like, I thought I told you. I'm a lover, not a fighter. Yeah. Maybe I'm just convincing myself. But yeah. you, oh, here you're we probably go. right. Paul, uh, Paul, I think I told you I'm a lover, not a fighter. Yeah. So I was right? Paul, Paul I think I told you. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, so, so I was yeah. right. Yeah. Michael, okay. we're not going to fight about this, okay? Paul, I think I told you, I'm not a, I'm a, I'm lover, a lover, not a fighter. I'm a lover, not a fighter. I've heard it all before, Michael. She told me that I'm her forever lover. I'm her forever lover, lover you, know? you know. Don't you remember? That, I always thought that was such weird. She told me that I'm her forever lover, you know. Don't you remember? Well, after loving me... I don't me, believe... Well, after, yeah. after loving me, she said she couldn't love another. Love and then he goes, I is, don't believe you. Is that what she said? No. Yes, she said that. You you keep dreaming. I don't believe it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, anyway. fine. So as Michael Jackson said. Yeah. Okay, so prevention again. As I was trying to do, lie down and lift your legs, which those medics were not letting me do. Or if you can't do that, sit down and put your head between your knees, which they could have definitely allowed me oh, to do. Oh man! Now I understand. So if some medical people are listening right there, they're like, look. You were on the street, and they didn't have a bed, and they couldn't. They didn't want to put you down on the sidewalk. Okay, I get it. But you could have at least allowed me to lift my feet up, or at the, well, very, at the least, very least, don't yeah. say you're not going to pass out. Everything's fine as I am fainting. Do not tell well, at me. At the very what least, they happening. didn't acknowledge that. Like they didn't acknowledge what you were trying to get at. Yeah, you know, like it, it's one of the thing. I know it so well, and I've studied it enough that I'm I. I, I always like, I try to, and I'm trying to help, you know, I'm trying to help the yeah. medical, but like, by the way, I'm about to pass out. You, This is going to get a little ugly for about, you know, 30 seconds. And they've got to know it. They were probably just being very like robotic about the, the routine. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're not going to pass out. And yeah. in their mind, probably like, well, even if you do, it doesn't matter. Like, just shut up. <laughs> yeah. We're just trying to pump you full of this stuff and send you on your way. <laughs> but to tell me I'm not going to pass out. Yeah, I've had two medical professionals. You're not going to pass out. Everything's fine. I had a surgeon tell me once because I, I told him, I was like, so when I had surgery on my mouth, um, I told him, I was like, so by the way, there's a, even though I know everything's going to be fine, there's a chance that my body won't like it and I might pass out. So you might want to yeah. you know, elevate my legs and maybe like slow down the procedure. And he's like, you're not going to pass out. You'll be fine. And I'm like, yeah. no, no, I don't think you understand. Like, my body, it, even though I know it's fine, my body does not like certain procedures and I might have heightened anxiety, you know, regardless of how I consciously consider this and I might actually pass out. No, no, no. 
you'll be fine. You're not going to pass out. You know, uh, you'll, you're fine in my hands. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, no. This isn't a reflection on your ability or my trust. In you. <laughs> this is a unconscious reaction uh, that I don't have any control over. If I had right. control over it, I wouldn't be having this conversation with you. So just know I might pass out. Oh, no, no, no. Everything's fine. You're going to, I, I just remember arguing with the surgeon that there's this thing called a vasovagal syncope. There's this thing <sighs> called fainting from anxiety that I don't have any control over. And you repeatedly telling me that everything's going to be fine makes me worry that you don't know what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> What's right. wrong with you? It, it, it's right. like, like it'd this... be better to hear like, yeah, you're, you're right. You might. Um, we'll address that. You know what? Like, just like yeah. acknowledge you, you know? Yeah. Acknowledge medical reality. <laughs> you know, it's like saying to, you know, uh, as you're about to jump out of a plane with a, you know, with a parachute, it's like, okay, so by the way, uh, if this parachute doesn't work, I have a I have a backup parachute, right? Oh, no, no, no. Everything's fine. Don't worry. Don't worry don't about worry. it. The, the first parachute is going to work fine. Okay, I know yeah. that. I'm pretty sure. But, you know, like 0.1% of the time, <laughs> you need the back. Is the backup there? No, no, no. You're everything. Don't You're worry fine. about you it. Don't, don't you trust me? Don't. I, 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 I do this know, all the time. Everything. It's not going to. It's everything. What are you talking? Like, like <laughs> it's not helping. Anyway. Okay. So what do you do if you have this issue? Well, there are medications you can take essentially to treat low blood pressure or anti-anxiety meds can help as well. There are, for chronic fainters, because some people are, there are biological treatments, like, I don't know, just trying to get your blood up out of your legs. There's a lot of everything. But psychotherapy, which I know, is, this is what I've done to myself, is cognitive behavioral therapy and exposure therapy. And there's also this thing called applied tension, which is, Exposing yourself to the trigger, so you're essentially using exposure therapy while you tense and relax your muscles. So some people hypothesize that this helps your body to learn what to do in that situation, if that makes any sense, in the future, if that ever happens. So there are ways to treat it, and maybe I'll do that for myself. Because in order to overcome a lot of the phobias that I've developed periodically over the years is to to use exposure therapy. Like when I started to develop uh, surgery anxiety or hospital anxiety, I would force myself to watch uh, the surgery channel. Do you remember the surgery channel? No. Yeah. What? There, I don't know what it was called, but you, you <laughs> surgery. It, yeah. It was like, it would have been uh, what, like 15 years ago, or 10 years ago, you would turn on this one cable channels deep in cable and uh-huh. it was, 24 7 surgeries do you remember this no way i don't remember this yeah it was like That's arthroscopic crazy. open heart surgery oh uh, liver transplants i Who watched this? eye implants <laughs> yeah well it, so you know it was this 24-hour uh stimulus for me to expose myself to in order to get over my, my fear of it. And, it and it did work anyway all right berto what's the final word on Po boys, poo boys, po poo boys, <laughs> poo boys. Well, first of all, for any medical professionals out there, please listen. You know, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure you're right, but just please listen. <laughs> uh, second, if you experience situations like this, know that you're not alone. You should call someone. Don't be like me. And uh, how maybe Kirk would have been if, if we hadn't talked about it. It's like, just call someone. 
you know, it's, it's good to share. I can't tell you, I, I seriously felt so alone and I didn't have to. Like several of my friends, definitely including Kirk, were like, why didn't you call me? <laughs> and then lastly, like if you feel like you're about to faint, it sounds like getting your head lower is a good idea. <laughs> yeah. So dive into water, right? Like that's the final, like that's the <laughs> recommendation. If you feel like you're about to faint, dive head first into the water. No, make sure you're uh, ground zero for parades. That's the key. <laughs> All right, everyone out there. Huh. So I actually have to say that I, my body is kind of jacked up right now because reliving that whole experience yeah, was imagine. kind of a sweaty thing for me. So I might it might take me a while to fall asleep tonight. <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel it too. I'm feeling tingly. Oh, by the way, so Berto. We're recording this before our 12-hour anniversary show, but this will be, be posting after our 12-hour oh, anniversary show. Interesting. So, man, that was an awesome 12, 12th anniversary, 12-hour stream <laughs> that on That was a great... It was one of the best 12-hour marathons yeah. we've ever done. Like, <laughs> Not we, best, but one of them. We solved cancer. <laughs> yeah. We solved all the world's problems. What I, I, what I have to say, though, is at hour six... That thing that happened, which I don't even want to mention, it, it, that was not cool. I, I'm still kind of reeling from that. But I know. Talk about. But that boys. moment in hour eight, that was golden. Yeah. Talk about poo boys. <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us out there. Please take care of yourself because you deserve it. <laughs>